You're listening to the Sticks in the Six podcast. Here are your calls, Andrew Forbes, Peter Barracchini, and Alex Hobson. Always catches me off guard how loud that intro is. Yeah, yeah, I know. And uh, boy, it gets you motivated, gets you pumped. Boys, uh, we're kicking the show off. Start of November here. You boys have uh, the little stashes going. I'm still in uh, playoff mode here, boys. But uh, welcome to Sticks and Six, episode 140. Here with the gentlemen, Alex and Peter, and myself, Andrew. Um, we're talking on game night, boys. Right before the game starts, uh, we're we're getting it going with a little leaf talk. Uh, hopefully, we get a little bit of uh, action on the uh, on the socials as we uh, head into a, a big game tonight for the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, but before we do that, uh, Alex, how you doing, buddy? Doing good, man. Uh, it's been uh, pretty. I, I know I seem to have a crazy story every single time I get on here, but um, uh, it's been a very uh, laid back week. Haven't really done much outside of let the Leafs run my uh, my emotions and my well being. Um, yeah, it's been. I don't. I don't know much to talk about. To be completely honest, it's a it's a rarity for me. But uh, yeah, quiet week over in uh, Hobson headquarters. I actually want to go back a couple weeks and ask you about your. Uh... Your bachelor experience that you did I on was the radio. Just we never, that. we never got the update, man. We never got the update. The All right, so I listen. I was actually, about to ask that too. If it, I know we got some, we got we have limited time before the game starts. So if I sit here and give the exact details, it's, <laughs> I'm going to be sitting here for a long time. So I'm going to sum it up and give you the Cliff Notes version. Essentially, the girl that I picked unfortunately declined. But here's the kicker. The other two girls I found out after the fact both would have said yes. So I I, I was batting, I was batting with oh. runners on second and third, and I and I struck out. It was tough. Jesus. Yeah. Jesus. It was brutal too, because like I honestly like I genuinely enjoyed each of the dates that I went on, and all three of the girls were super cool. I just went with the one that I thought I had the most in common with, and uh, it turned out not to be the case. But it, honestly, like on one hand, I'm like, you know what? Not like out out in the end, two out of three ain't bad, right? Like, two like that's three like bad, you're, you're batting six sixty six at that point. But <laughs> at the same time, the other hand of me is like, okay, uh, so I had that opportunity, and I just I I went with the one girl that that said no. So yeah, poor poor uh, poor judgment on my part. It was um, it was it was a fun experience overall, though. Um, just, uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess I found some things out about my game. I didn't know I had, but then also found out that I'm still <laughs> dog shit at reading vibes. <laughs> that's where, that's where we'll leave it boys. Oh no. Oh, well, thanks for the update. And, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad you had a fun experience with it. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know if I'd have the, uh, the wherewithal to go through with that, but, uh, good you know what? You, it buddy. was a good once on in you. a lifetime experience. Like I'm like pretty much nobody fucking fucking say that they did something like that. Yeah. Um, True, yeah. so I mean, I'll, I'll take it. It was a good experience overall. Um, yeah, it was, uh, it was, it, it was fun. Beautiful. I, had a, I had a good time. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Peter, how you doing, buddy? Doing good. I really can't top the three date uh, update there, but uh, you know what? I mean, yeah, no, still, <laughs> st- still going, still going well. You know, obviously, you, you know, the past three, four seasons, like you know, in my household, as soon as Halloween ends, we take off the Halloween stuff and the Christmas stuff already goes up. Like we already go in full gear 
at live play. So we're already like decked out, you know, stuff's coming out and trees up. Everything's already looking like Christmas at my house. So all, all I am is just, or I'm just missing is just like, you know, little, you know, patches of snow uh, sprinkled throughout the house. I don't even think where, if we do that, uh, I would like to move out as soon as possible if that's the case, but you know what? We're not at that point, but yeah, no doing good so far. There you go. There you go. I well, can't believe you managed to drag a story out of me anyways. Yeah. I, <laughs> hey, I came in my, with nothing and you're like, no, no, bud, you're coming in with something. That's my job. That's yeah. my job. That's what I'm here to do. He's the host. That's why. <laughs> yeah. Well, boys, not, uh, not much has changed over here. Um, I was telling, uh, I was telling Peter, uh, pre-show here that, uh, I grabbed a hobby box of the 2023, 24 upper deck series one, uh, 12 packs inside. I have not ripped a single pack yet. I asked my wife actually this, uh, this afternoon if she wanted to do a pack battle with me on TikTok. So we'll see if that goes down. <laughs> uh, that'd be fun to, fun to kick it off. I'm searching for that Bedard, uh, draft, uh, draft card that's going for about 600 700 bucks right now so that uh one in like 1000 odd card that's what they're saying but man i've yeah. seen a, i've seen a handful of them up on ebay so far um Ooh. some of them are asking for like 1500 which is just nuts but um <laughs> anyways uh let's get into the hockey talk uh kick it off with a few former leafs on the waiver wire andreas johnson in pittsburgh and the jack campbell in edmonton um I was listening a little bit earlier to uh, Gino Retta actually on TikTok. He's got he's got a channel going on TikTok, um, and he was saying that uh, the talk is the reason they're doing it now is they can bury him in the minors, they save a little bit of money, and they save more as they get towards the deadline. Um, so it actually increases the their ability to make moves at the deadline. Peter, your thoughts on the Edmonton Oilers thus far and Jack Campbell heading heading to the AHL. Smart that they managed to find some cap relief or like the increasing cap as you know the season progresses. Uh, not so good if you're Jack Campbell and even if you're Kenny Holland at this point, because uh, you know, we, we we've talked about not being wary of signing Jack Campbell long term. I know Alex and you and I have talked about it constantly of the hot start, the mediocre play midseason, and then the fall off after that. Um you know, the warning signs were there to give him that kind of contract. And, you know, players deserve the increase, but this is the reason why the Maple Leafs didn't go that route. They didn't want to give him the term $5 million. I mean, you know, it's still a hefty amount. And if you're the Oilers right now and you're in win now mode and you're the perennial Stanley Cup favorite at this point, that's not a good sign that one of your goaltenders or one of the starters that you had pegged coming into this season is in the minors at this point. Um, hopefully he's able to rebound. You always wish for someone to rebound back and get back to form. Uh, we know how great of a character that soup is, but uh, yeah, it's disappointing all around, especially for the, for the Oilers from top to bottom at this point, it, it really is. And you, you just hope for the best because he's just a really nice guy, but the play isn't there. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't help either that the team seems to have zero confidence right now. And Alex, I'll throw it to you in just a second here, but there was a list that came out. Uh, I believe it was yesterday of players with more points than Connor McDavid thus far this season. Nick Schmaltz was on that list. Noah Dobson was on that list. Uh, there was a bunch of other names riddled through that list. Um, and, and I mean, 
not to put this on Connor McDavid either. The whole team has failed uh, both of their goalies, really. Like, if you look at Skinner's numbers, they're no better at this point. I think it's the money that's that's kind of put Campbell in the situation that he's in. But, Alex, your thoughts on Jack Campbell hitting the minors and the Edmonton Oilers start to the season? Yeah, I mean, it sucks for Campbell, but I don't feel bad for the Oilers at all. I mean, this entire situation with him could have been avoided if Ken Holland did a morsel of research on, on Campbell. Like, you mentioned, Peter, the hot start. And then the mediocre to very bad middle of the season, the decent month, last month of the season, and then the bad playoffs. I mean, he, he was so good in those first two months of that season that it inflated his numbers for the entire year. And if you if if, if Holland so much as opened up hockey reference and pulled up Jack Campbell splits from that year, I think that this could have been avoided. Like mm-hmm. I mean, like I said, sucks for Campbell, but every sam- every single sample size of good play that he's had in the NHL has been small. Like he yeah. had a, a full season with a good body of work. He's had a half season with a good body of work at best, but again, never played more than I think 49 games in a season. That's how many games that he played in his last year with the Leafs. And uh, uh, yeah, it, it didn't work out. And at no point during his career, he can handle the workload of a guy making 5 million over five years. So, I mean, well, I was going to say on top of that, like let's not forget that the year that he had with the Leafs where he put up those numbers might have been the best defensive year by a Maple Leafs team in recent memory. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, I mean, again, not taking anything away from the guy. Like I'll, I'll show you right here. I got a Jack Campbell signed jersey up on the wall. I love the guy. I think, you know, as a, as a human being, he's just, he's just the most respectful and respected human being in the room. Um, but when it comes down to his game, I mean, he just – it's been the story of his career. And I think once you get off onto the, you know, on the wrong foot in Edmonton, um, all of a sudden, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of, you're in the same spot uh, mentally and it's just, it makes it tough, makes it tough. So, um, but yeah, I, I, you know, it's, it's tough to see him go down. I think they're doing the right thing. Um, And uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how he does. If he bounces back, if he comes back up, see what the Edmonton Oilers are going to do. But this is a team that everyone picked to win the Stanley cup. And, um, they they are far far from it. So uh, I got a little visitor here. If you're watching on the YouTube channel, Oakley's in the What's background up, here, buddy. How's so, it going, Oak? Can you say hi, to everybody? You're live. You're live right now. So, anyways, <laughs> gentlemen, post. there you go. Let's jump into some Maple Leafs talk. Uh, right off the hop, I wanna I wanna talk about the team toughness. Um, this has been the storyline with the Maple Leafs over the last week or so, ever since Lilligren went down. Um, we're hearing that it's going to be a serious injury for Lilligren, looking at probably a couple months that he's going to miss. Hurts his development. The response after Brad Marchand, slew-footed, can-opener, whatever you want to call it, the response that he had or the team had afterwards where, you know, Marchand jumped or was skating in front of the bench and you had Tavares who just looked, stale you had Bertuzzi laughing in the corner and take that for what you will as as he he let us know uh you had Reeves is the only guy really chirping Marshawn from the bench where is this team's toughness when it comes to that where was the response and should we be worried about the response or the lack thereof Alex I'll throw it to you first um in a in a way I'm thinking yeah we should be worried because I feel like that toughness is something that kind of has to be ingrained in you I don't know if it's something that you can just flip a switch and then all of a sudden be a completely different person in those situations but I will say that this time more than any other time the team toughness has been in question I think they're getting hit really hard by the media and by the fans 
And I think that like the fact that they had a meeting about it, which again, like, I, I don't know what, I don't know what a meeting to address the lack of team toughness, team toughness entails. Um, but the fact that they had to have a meeting is a first and it's, it, I think it really shines light on the fact on how seriously they're taking it now. So, I mean, all I can say really at this point is show up, you know, show, don't tell. I think that's the most important part of all this because we've, you know, Reeves, Reeves chirped from the bench. Great. You know, could have made a physical impact in that game otherwise, but he didn't, he could have done the same thing against Tampa, but he didn't. So um, I'm, it's not just a Reeves thing. It's an everybody thing. I think that, you know, in the moment, you can make the argument that it was an accidental play. You know, it all happened really fast. The two guys went into the boards pretty quickly. But you watch the replay, and you can clearly see Marchand sticking his stick right in between Logan's legs and taking out his left foot. So I think at that point, when the team sees the replay, that's when you got to send a message, and they didn't. Like, they they, they, they got more submissive, if anything. So um, it's definitely a show-don't-tell thing. Um, I, need to, uh, I need to see them stick up in these situations, and... Um, until then, I think that it's, it's the same mentality for these guys. So, yeah. Who was it? Matt Porter in Boston who said, uh, Marshawn had the, uh, the right of way kind of with his, the way he had planted his legs. I, I don't know if you guys saw that tweet, but I, I kind of, yeah. I, I wrote back and I just said, uh, I think I said twit or something like that. But anyways, I mean, um, clear Slufa, we kind of know the dirty player that, that Marshawn has been over the years and, and, you know, rad or not, that's just such a dangerous play the way that he did it and, and the way that Lilligren went into the boards. Um, Peter, I don't think that overall team toughness is, is a worry right now. I think the response is a little bit of a worry. But as you saw, Klingberg came out and said, you know, we didn't know how bad it was until after the play. Um, you know what? Sorry, Forbes, to cut you off, but there is yeah. credit to be credit credit where credits mm-hmm. due. There, you know, Klingberg for as much of a disaster as he's been at times this year. I mean, he was the only one to stand up after that. He was he went into the corner and decked Marshan and chirped him. So, I mean, it's more than anything anyone else did. So, anyways, yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely, and and you know, it, to see a response from any player like that is, is important. And I know we've seen a little bit more. Uh, of pushing and shoving after the whistle from guys like Matthews and stuff like that. I'm not saying you want your star players in the scrums after the whistles, but Peter, is this something that needs to be talked about? I mean, obviously the team can discuss it within the room, but are we blowing this way out of proportion by saying, you know, there's lack of personality, lack of credibility on the team, lack of toughness on the team? No, I I don't think so at all. Because in the past, like even when situations where, you know, players are not necessarily running the goalie on purpose, but they're attacking the net, they make contact with the goalie and the players do nothing about it. As far as I'm concerned, whenever, whenever every single time I played hockey, if you run the goalie, even incidentally, that's a call for everybody to jump in and say, hey, back up, you know, get out of here. Uh, you don't need to start a fight, but you need to throw like a shove, grab him, push him off to the side, get him out of there. No response whatsoever for that. In regards to this one, it, I'm again, no response whatsoever. And there was more of a serious injury on the play with the can opener from Marshawn. And the fact that, yeah, Reese was tripping from the bench. You had Klingberg, you know, give him a shot later on. Um, but And even chirping him a little bit on the ice. To me, he still got away with it because nobody sent a definitive message or get in his face and stand up for Lilligren because that, to me, this team has no backbone. They got no spine. They got no, um, literally no sense of ability to stand up for themselves or one another at this point. And that to me is, is a little bit disappointing. Yeah. They had a meeting to talk about it, but 
you know, you shouldn't have a meeting to discuss what you should have done when the right thing was to go out there and send a response right away. Sending a response in the third period means nothing at that point because it it's already like 40 minutes gone at that point, game time wise. And Marshawn's still out there, you know, doing his thing on the ice, you know, making plays and Lilligren's out, out uh, you know, getting evaluated because of his leg. I mean, like you said, you don't necessarily expect the star players to stand up for each other, but at the same time, they need to show that's not piss and vinegar themselves. I know you brought those players in and Bertuzzi Reeves and Domi to do that, but you're not seeing that consistently. I mean, I wrote an article about the whole entire thing and I talk about, you know, the London, uh, not the London Knights, the Vegas Golden Knights when Mark Stone got hit in that preseason game and it was a late hit. He goes after the player that hit him and then two other or three other Knights go after him. That that's the mindset and mentality that everyone should have, especially if it's like one of your star players, young players, what have you. You saw that incident uh, with Riley and Point in the playoffs. They created a full-on line brawl. Whether it was dirty or not, incidental, whatever, the Lightning did not like that whatsoever. They stood up for Point. If the Maple Leafs see something they don't like, they have to stand up for each other and for the player that, you know, got hit, what have you. They need to send that response because they're just still a team that can be taken advantage of every time. I do believe that it is a culture thing. And 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 the, the reason I say that is because the NHL right now is a is a league where the culture dictates that even on clean hits, if, if it's a big hit on one of your star players, we see it, we see a fight after after the hit. Not everybody agrees with it. Uh, I'm not sure I even agree with you know a big like a brawl after after a, a clean hit. But the fact is is that you knew the player that was going into the boards. You knew who was you knew you know you know that there was there was a unfortunate outcome there needed to be some kind of response and maybe this is the wake-up call that this team needs i know you can use the chemistry um discussion i mean you're 10 games in how long does it take to get chemistry with new players and and find that you know um connection i guess but at the same time like you know this this team needs to have that kind of response especially if you want to be a playoff team, a team that's going to make it past that second round. You need to have that that toughness. And I know everyone's ripping on Ryan Reeves. He's minus seven. And Sean Avery had this spout out about how, you know what it's like to be minus 82 in Canada? Like, some bullshit about that. But, like, you know, that Ryan Reeves was brought in for one reason. Simple as that. Um, Tyler Bertuzzi, he has offered next to nothing offensively. He's top 10 right now on the team and hits. I'll take it right now we want to see that offense come there was a lot of discussion today on twitter about uh max domi because i brought i brought up the fact that he's only got nine hits through you know his 12 games um and it was mentioned that you know this guy's never hit during his career and i went back and 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 there is some validity to that argument that i think his his season high is is 53 uh hits in a season um you know, it, we're we're. I think right now we're playing off the name of the on the jersey, and and, and it is unfortunate that we kind of look at it and say, you know, Max Domi is Ty Domi's son, and this is what the expectation is. I mean, it it. I think that comes more with the fact that Max Domi has done nothing offensively for the Maple Leafs since he's come in. Four assists in the twelve games, nine hits. People, fans want to see something, and if you're not providing offense you need to get involved physically 
and that might spark some kind of offensive output for you. And I know this third line with Yarn Croak and um, and Robertson it looked great last game. I think I think it's gonna it's gonna you know moving forward they're, they're like little water bugs where they're just gonna be flying all over the place. That's gonna be a, a benefit to Max uh, Max's game. But right now the conversation needs to be like, look, okay, you're not you're not providing anything offensively. You need to be the guy that goes in there after Marshawn. Because let's be honest. Reeves goes after Marshawn. We all know what's going to happen. Marshawn's going to turtle like a little bitch. Yeah. Well, you it doesn't need... even it doesn't even have to be Marshawn. Like like, go after somebody. Send a message. Go after Pasternak. Yeah. That used to. Yeah. I, and, and I I don't say that lightly. I I mean it. Like when Gretzky played, it was like you went after Gretzky. Semenko was coming over and say, "You guys go after him one more time. I'm going after your star player." Yeah. Yeah. Right. And that's that's the conversation that. And I'm not saying Lilligren's the star player, but. You know, your young up and coming defenseman, the, then, you know, you have Reeves go over and say, look, I'm going after, I don't know, Greslick. I'm going after Matt Greslick. And I'm going to, I know he's been hurt before. I'm going to go after him. I'm going to take him out. And that's the conversation. It's an on ice conversation. It stays on the ice. That goes nowhere else. Mm-hmm. Right. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I hope that this conversation, this closed door meeting that they had, you know, changes the, changes the response from this this team moving mm-hmm. forward there's a lot of hockey left to play and at least the way i look at it is at least they're not the edmonton oilers right now yeah, so no kidding that's yeah. that's uh that's one benefit out yeah. of it but um aside from that i want to talk about the offense and 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 the depth so far i think last game was the first time that we've seen a big spark from the 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 middle six and and even the bottom six um i think up to that point, there was a lot of relying on Matthews. There's a lot of relying on Marner. Um, you know, let's let's talk about Matthews' goal totals through the first 12 games. I think it's it's insane to know, to to think where the Leafs would be at without him in the lineup. So, Peter, your thoughts on the Maple Leafs' depth so far and what we're seeing from their top players? Is this still the core four uh, running the show in Toronto? I mean, it's definitely it definitely is because. Last time I checked, it was 26 out of 36, but that number probably increased after that Tampa Bay game with goals from the core four. So you're probably looking at, you know, let's say 29 in 35 games. So that's still roughly hovering around like, you know, that 70, 75% mark. That's still a heavy load, but now everyone is saying that, oh, we need more from the core four. Well, the core four is delivery. You know, Matthews is at a goal per game. Marner started to heat up. Tavares and Nylander have gone quiet a bit lately, but Nylander's still producing points with assists and everything like that. Like he's still a factor on the ice. Core four is not is not an issue for the first time, and you know we it has been an issue at points in the past. The depth is you know non-existent at this point. I mean that game, Yarn Croak scoring two goals was the first time that the depth actually came alive. Um, you're, you were even talking about how that third line was kind of like a bit of a spark plug with even Robertson getting the call up. Um, you know, it, it, you saw from the very first shift that that line had something going. Like they were buzzing every single time and they were making an impact. And I'm just going to read off the stat line there. I, I know before the show, I was like, oh, you know, got to get out nat- natural stat trick because it is kind of helpful. But, um, you know, the forward line of Robertson, Domi, and Yarncroke. 76.92 shot attempts. Uh, expected goals for was at 61%. Uh, scoring chances were at 66%. 
And that's what you want from your third line. You want the energy, even if they don't score, you want to see that positive impact offensively, get those chances, generate those results and carry that momentum. That was the first time we ever saw that. So at this point right now, yeah, core four is still firing on all cylinders, but you need everyone else to step up and the depth needs to take over at some points. Cause what happens if that offense does go cold, you're not going to see the, you know, five, six goal games anymore. You're going to see more like two, three, and you need that depth to chip in. Luckily, Yarn Croak started to heat up big Yarn Croak believer still. And, you know, yeah, nice is scoring goals on in the top six. You need Bertuzzi to get going. You need Domi to get going. But, you know, that was a good first step for, you know, the depth right there. Alex, your thoughts on the depth thus thus far and, and what we can expect moving forward, especially after last game? Uh, yeah, I think the fact that uh, Nice is on the top line is going to do wonders going forward. I think that mm-hmm. he's officially going to be a top depth contributor. Um, I think the Cali Yarncroak is also going to kind of turn around. I know it's recency bias because he scored two goals in the other game. But um, that said, I uh, do think that he's on the, uh, you know, he's on a line now where he's got like-minded offensive players and he can be the defensive presence on that line. Um, So, yeah, I think that uh, going forward, we obviously need more from guys like Bertuzzi and Domi, but I think that he'll, he'll, I think that both of those guys have a capability to step up. I mean, they're both on one-year deals. They're going to, they're not going to stop working hard. Like I know that sometimes it looks like Tyler Bertuzzi is out there and he's kind of doing cardio and not trying or whatever. And same thing has been said about Domi a couple of times. I don't think that's really the case for either of those players. I mean, I think these are, uh, these are a couple of guys who are on one-year deals. I think they're just struggling to fit into the system. And I think that eventually it's going to turn around for them. It might just take them a little longer. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I think moving Nyes up to that first line. I mean, let's uh, let's talk about uh, the fact that right now he's sitting tied for second in rookie scoring. I mean, this is this might be the closest Calder Trophy race that we're going to see in in recent years. Um, Bobby Brink right now, Logan Cooley, Luke Evangelista, and Pavel Mintyukov um, leading the way with eight. And right there, there's Rossi, Bedard, Poitras. Um, Nyes, Grig, and Hugh, Luke Hughes, all with seven points. So, uh, you know, all that, all things considered, I mean, it's pretty, pretty impressive what we're seeing right now from the young, young guys in the, in the league. And, um, Matthew's jumping up to that, uh, that first line is only going to raise his stock in terms of, um, what we can expect from this kid. Um, in, in that sense, let's, let's jump right over to that conversation. I mean, Nyes jumping on that first line. It almost looked too easy for him, Peter. And and mm-hmm. I don't know what what you took away from that game, but for me, it was just that it was the back behind the behind the the back pass, the uh, the no look pass, whatever you want to call it. Um, he just seemed to vibe so well with with the two uh, Matthews and Marner, and just uh, the speed, the relentlessness, the fact that he's third on the uh, Leafs right now in hits. Um, you know what are we seeing from this kid? Yeah, uh, bef- one more final point about like depth scoring. Only three five-on-five five goals from forwards in the bottom six. Two from Yarn Croak, one from Gregor. So, yeah, definitely definitely need more from that. But now on to the Matthew Nye's uh, point. Um, yeah, like you said, he's just vibing out there. Like he, like he is a very great complimentary piece. And not saying that, you know, he's just going to fly under the wing. He is going to make a significant impact. 
consistently for that top line. You know, you have Matthews as a shooter, Marner as a playmaker, and you wanted to find something to be that bunting replacement. He is that bunting replacement with the ability to get in on the four check, utilize his body, win puck battles, everything like that. But he has more offense to give than bunting at this point. I know that he had like, you know, the points that he did with Matthews and, and Marner in his rookie year and even the second season going up and down the lineup. But you could get the same production from Matthew Nyes if he was a seasoned veteran at this point. Um, you know, he didn't look out of place. And there was even that uh, play, that little chip play along the boards to Marner that led to the 5-4 uh, goal after Yarn Croak had tied it up. I mean, it's just the little things that he does along the boards. His board play is absolutely phenomenal with what he's able to do with his hands in tight spaces, um, gets it to open ice, and even just make little chip plays. He has a smart he and it's like you said, that behind the back play is kind of like he has eyes in the back of his head at this point. Like he knows where Matthews is going to be or where Marner is going to be at this point. The fact that they're already feeding off that or building that chemistry right now is impressive, but it even dated back to the playoffs where they started to, they needed a spark. And then, you know, he gives up that second goal kind of feels bad about that. And then he answers back with that, uh, you know, first goal of his own, which is very impressive. So, um, yeah, good first game. It took too long to get him to that point. But I, I think that now this is a player that's going to like consistently solidify his spot on that top line, and he's probably not going to move back down. Alex, we were talking about it uh, prior to jumping on the show here, but Matthew Nyes on that top line, he just seems to fit so nicely with those two guys. You know, even I would go as far as saying even better than Michael Bunting did that year that uh, he, he had he won the – or. Yeah, he he finalist. He, yeah, he was a finalist. He was a finalist. You don't want to bad. get into that. That's a controversy. Seventy-eight-year-old Michael Bunting. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So, um, that considered, I mean, you look at the rookie scoring. We mentioned that he's sitting second right now in rookie scoring. Um, he just seems so natural in that spot. What are your thoughts on Matthew Nyes thus far? So, my thoughts on Matthew Nyes thus far are going to be summed up. Uh, by his own words. And I'm going to, I told you guys about this tweet before the show. Um, Matthew Nyes on why a simple approach works well with Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner. And he says, they have the puck skill, right? Like let them dance, let them do the work. It's my role to be around the net, screen the goalie and do the little things for them. They're not afraid to get on each other. When one needs to get going, they're not afraid to speak. I love that about these guys that they really care. They really want to push themselves. They both make each other better. And that affects me as well. I mean, it's kind of insane to think that the Leafs were available to grab this guy 57th overall in the draft because like his development has just gone at lightning speed. And he's just what, what like we've every time we talked about Nice, I've said something to the effect of this. But the most impressive part of his game is just the fact that you look at him and he just physically looks like he belongs in the NHL, physically mm-hmm. and mentally. Like he he makes the smart plays. He he can, I think he's like top five in uh, hits on the team right now. I'm going to have to fact check that, but um, you know, he's been throwing the body. He's been using the body to his advantage and he's looked good on every line he's played on. Like, you know, that, that line of Nyes, Domi and camp wasn't really doing anything for a bit, but that wasn't because of Nyes. Nyes was doing his part on the line. He just, he didn't have someone who could finish and he wasn't, you know, he's not at a point where he can drive his own line yet. So, I mean, he, like, you know, it's just a perfect fit. And it's someone that Matt and that Matthews hasn't really had since Hyman on his left side before. And um, I think we're looking at a, at a, I don't know. We're looking at another version of Hyman, I think with uh, what you're seeing with him and what he's doing at Edmonton. So 
Um, it's just, yeah, the maturity's crazy for his age. He's a phenomenal player. And uh, I think that the, I think that the fits seamless and I, I'm surprised honestly took that uh, 12 games to make that call. But um, overall, I'm glad they did in the end because uh, it was, it was a great move and he's, he's fitting in real well. Fourth and team hits 18 yeah. right now or 18th fourth with 18. Yeah. 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 I, I love how, I love how Austin Matthews has two less hits than Ryan Reeves. I know. Yeah. You don't and even no, know. And no Gregor. Yeah. And no Gregor. And, uh, yeah. Can't, can't forget about Gregor. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I, I know. You know what? He's he's a lot younger. I I keep thinking he's like Zach Aston Reese's age. Guy's only twenty five years old. Yeah, still young, like, still yeah. A young one. Yeah, yeah, young no, guy. and uh, it, it's great to see a guy like Matthew Nye's bet on himself. And before we go any further, boys, quick word from our sponsors over at the Hockey uh-huh. Podcast Network and DraftKings. The NFL season is going strong, and DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking new customers up with an offer that's even stronger. Bet five bucks. On any game this week to score $200 instantly in bonus bets. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of a sweetener offer every game day this November. Just check out some of the, uh, the some of the lines this week for the NFL. Or even ch- head on over now, pre-game, right before we, we drop the puck on the game tonight. And, and lay a bet on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Either way, get in on the game day greatness. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code THPN. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets when you bet five on the NFL. That's code THPN only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. Licensee partner, Golden Nugget Lake Charles. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Um, yeah, boys, uh, like I said, lo- game tonight. Uh, Joseph Wall will be starting, but before we get to the goaltending, I want to talk about Nick Robertson. Finally gets the call up. There's a lot of talk about getting this kid in the lineup. Uh, he was lighting up the AHL. Um, he's had opportunity after opportunity after opportunity with the Leafs. And every time it seems like he's getting, you know, hit or, or, you know, hurting his shoulder, going to the boards or what have you, Peter, are we finally getting an opportunity to see Nick Robertson healthy and hopefully making a, a point to stay in the Leafs lineup this year? Yeah. Um, it, it it was, you know, he didn't quite have the preseason that we had all hoped like he did last year. And then he was a cap casualty and had to be sent down, but then got the call, had that run. Fortunately, he got injured. Didn't, you know, wasn't quite overwhelmed or wasn't quite, you know, happy with his play. Thought he was trying to do a bit too much in preseason. But right now in, you know, time of the AHL, getting the call up right now and even in that one game, there's more of a simplicity factor to his game right now. He's not trying to overdo things or overthink things, trying to make a fancy play or whatever. 
he's being simplistic in his approach right now. And that's, I think, what the, what he's finally understood to this point where maybe he's got to dial it back. We've heard, you know, Haley Wickenheiser say that. And then, you know, he says, you know, I don't know what dialing back means because he never, he's never dialed back. He's always go, go, go. So I think we're seeing that a bit now, but he's still playing with that pace, that energy, the skill factor. And, you know, Alex mentioned the quote from Nice from Mark Masters. I'm going to mention this quote here on um, Domi with the chemistry for Robertson. Um, I'm more of a passer and he's a trigger guy. I told him to just find a spot and I'll find him. So you had that balance right now where, you know, Domi was often a playmaker with playmakers. And now that he has someone that he could, you know, try and connect with those passes, I think it's going to be huge. And Robertson overall, you know, Keith even said a post game, he was that spark plug that needed to help boost Domi in his game. And they connected very well in that tying goal for Yarn Croak. Um, you know, they started to generate some buzz in the offensive zone, you know, getting in on pucks, you know, making life miserable for the opponent. It ended up in like a what should have been a clearing attempt, but Robertson was right there to intercept the pass, worked a give and go with Domi, and then he just fires a shot and Yarn Croak is there. That's the chemistry building that this that a third line needed, and I'm glad that they're getting that right now. And Robertson overall, I, I, to me, it, again, just a simplistic factor to his game. I think that's going to be huge for him going forward where, yeah, you can still play with that speed, pace, energy, but you don't always have to always make those high-end plays, those high-risk play, high plays where – you know, it kind of resulted in a turnover going the other way. And that's what kind of what led him to getting demoted in the lineup. I think right now he, he's probably going to earn that ability to stay in the lineup again because he had to get called up. And if he's going to keep doing that, like what he did against the Lightning, he's definitely going to stay in the lineup. Alex, your thoughts on Nicky Bobby? Are we uh, seeing, are we potentially seeing a guy that could stay healthy this time around? Man, I, I I want it to happen so badly. I mean, you know, I, I'm not gonna lie. I fully wrote, I fully wrote off Nick Robertson this year. Um, I I figured that you know, with the lineup that they're currently icing right now, plus guys ahead of him on the depth, like not I wouldn't say ahead of him on the, on the depth chart per se, but with guys who have proven to be more durable, like Bobby McMahon and like Alex Steves and even like Nick Abrazizzi, um. I just I, I I didn't see a path forward for Robertson, especially considering the fact that they were running that defense first third line for the first bit of the season. You know he needs to play with offensive players, and the top six is full. So I I had him written off between that and the injuries. But you know he's forced his way back, and I I want nothing more than for this guy to finally find his fit on the team and mm -hmm. stay and play a full season, because like he said, the injury luck has just been brutal. He, 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 he can't make it more than a handful of games into the season without getting hurt. And that's not on him, but it's, it's, it's just impossible to have him develop properly. And it's impossible to take him seriously as a part of the team when he can't stay, when he can't stay healthy. So, you know, I think that, you know, I've been every, every year, these past couple of years, I've been begging for for Nick Robertson to stay healthy just so we could see a glimpse of him getting to use that shot for a full season. Maybe he turns into a 20 goal scorer and it hasn't happened yet, but I really hope it happens this time around. Yeah, I know. I'm right there with you. I think he looked, he looked really good in his first game with the Leafs this season. Um, as always, he's lightened up in the AHL. And I, I think, you know, I, I was right there with you, Alex. I I'd written him off. I, I wrote a piece last year. Uh, in the preseason saying like, it's, it's not, you know, should the Leafs just move on from Nick Robertson? And at that point I was kind of in the same boat and, you know, he proved me wrong in the preseason. Unfortunately he suffered an injury early in the year. And then again, this year, I, I kind of just, 
I was sitting back saying, you know what? He's not, he's no longer the top prospect anymore. My focus was on Matthew Nyes. My focus was on Fraser Minton. My, my focus was on Topi Niamela and, and what he could bring to the, the lineup potentially at some point. Um, but yeah, it just, it got to a point, uh, where I was just ready to let him go. And, and, uh, unfortunately, um, you know, he, he was sent down, but he's getting the chance now. And I really do hope that he sticks, he sticks in the lineup for a little bit. Um, that goal, the man, that game against Dallas last year with the two goals, the overtime winner, I really thought that game was the turning point for him. It it should have been. Yeah. 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 No, I, I, I agree. I fully agree. Um, goaltending boys. Obviously tonight, Joseph Wall gets the start for the for the Leafs. He came in in relief for Samsonov last game. Um, we uh, we're seeing a little bit of a rough rough go for for Ilya Samsonov this year, and we saw the frustration when he got pulled last game as well. So, Alex, I'm going to throw it to you first. Your thoughts on Sammy and and where we go from here with Ilya Samsonov? Yeah, I think that it's clear that Joseph Wall should be getting the majority of the starts right now. Um, I think Samsonov made it, made it interesting and he made it, um, he kind of swayed the debate back. Well, not the debate necessarily, but you know, he kind of brought the conversation back in his favor with that start against Boston uh, last week. He looked, he looked amazing in that game. Um, that was just a matter of the Leafs playing a really, really good team. Um, and, but the fact of the matter is he's been bad in more starts than he's been good this year. You know, my main, my main like supporting point for, for Samsonov last year, the main reason that I kept going after him is like, not going after him, but like, like going to bat for him was because last year he showed that he was good more than he was bad, but it's just, it's been the opposite year. And it's as simple as that. Um, I don't think that the Leafs should be kicking him to the curb by any means. I think that mm-hmm. if they want to be successful down the line, they need to have a, a, a scenario where, just like the Bruins with Lena Solmark and Jeremy Swayman, they need to have two goaltenders that they can turn to and rely in net. Because we saw the goalies get injured last year. You know, Samsonov was healthy for the first couple months while Murray was hurt. And Murray comes back and Samsonov gets hurt instantly. We saw guys like Eric Schalgren start more games than we probably should have. Um it's important and imperative that both of those goalies are healthy if this team wants to go deep in the playoffs and uh, not, not just here and healthy, but like both successful as well. So overall, yeah, I mean, Joseph Wall's the guy right now, but I wouldn't be shocked if the Leafs decided to call up Martin Jones and ride three goalies on the roster and kind of give Samson off some time to work on his work on his game and kind of clear some of the clouds in his head. And, um, and, and and get back to a point that he that he knows that he can be at where where he was last year. I mean, he didn't sign Martin Jones for no reason. Sure, he's a he's, he's fine stopgap in the AHL right now, fine veteran guy down there. But this is a guy that, despite the awful save percentage, he did win twenty seven games last year. So, um, I think that right now it's honestly not worth it's it, it's worth a it's worth a look. It can't hurt to see if. Uh, Martin Jones is capable of starting a game here and there. So I, I think that that said though, it's all about uh, having both goalies in net. It's uh, that's the most important thing. Yeah. I mean, obviously you can't have a wall playing 75 games and then go on to, to go on a playoff run. Uh, you know, fatigue is a huge factor now with goaltenders in the league. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, Peter, your thoughts on Samsonov and what we've seen so far, it, it seemed like he was turning a corner uh, just a couple games ago. And then all of a sudden, you know, last start, just didn't look the same again. So what are your thoughts on Samsonov? It's really ironic and crazy how he can have these two 
outings against Tampa Bay where he allows what seven goals on like 12 shots in two games to get chased both times in the first period. Like it really is crazy considering the fact that Tampa Bay had a hard time trying to score goals, especially Nikita Kucherov in the postseason last year. Like I, I don't understand how that change could get away from his game. Cause all four goals, once again, on the, on, uh, against Tampa Bay, you could argue about how the Maple Leafs defense, you know, didn't weren't strong at the line and they allowed them to enter, you know, easily and didn't pressure them fine. But Samson has got to make a save on that headman shot. He was too aggressive and he was already like, you know, over aggressive with his movement and he was out of position. Same. He, it looked like he bailed on that Kucherov shot, the first goal. Then there was the second one where he was already down and out, went down too early and his lateral movement was an issue and he just seemed right off. Um, I, 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 this was the issue that he had with the Washington Capitals with his ability to be over aggressive and overshoot his target and not be square with the shooter. That was a problem then, becoming a problem right now. I will say this again Mark Masters tweeted out a bunch of clips from practice today. He was putting in the work with Curtis Sanford, and I believe it was Dean, uh, Dean Chenoweth and Nick Antropov helping him in that regard as well. Um, so the thing is why I'm still optimistic about Samson of trying to turn a corner is that he has been in the situation before where he has, you know, put the work in to get out of this stretch and then come back stronger and better than ever before. It just seems right now he seems to be running out of time in doing so because sorry, it was Shane Doan and Nick Antropov, not Dean Chenoweth that was helping um, Samson off. It just seems like right now you're getting into a situation where if you put him on waivers, you're running into a same situation with Jack Campbell where a potential starter, sorry, Alex, I probably shouldn't have, you know, made that comparison, but I'm getting, I, it, it starts to feel like that right now, because if he can't find his groove, do, like you said, maybe you call up Martin Jones for like the third string goaltender and have him run three goalies. That way you don't risk anybody getting lost on waivers. But is someone going to pick up Samson off? You don't know. So you're running a fine line. I'm still hopeful that he could turn a corner because he did show promise in that Bruins game. But yeah, I, still running out of time at this point, in my opinion. Peter, I wasn't, uh, I didn't chuckle there oh. at your comparison. I was chuckling because I was just picturing the fact that, like, imagine telling myself 10 years ago that. <laughs> there, there, like there, there'd be a goalie on the ice struggling, and the two people employed by the Leafs organization helping him would be Shane Doan and Nick Antropov. Okay. Just oh, those okay, two guys okay. specifically. I just, I that thought came to mind, and I just laughed at myself. So that's yeah. wasn't the oh no, no, all good, all good. Um, yeah. Um, that said, I'm probably gonna clip that and and say Peter says that Jack Campbell is just as bad as. Uh, no, I'm just joking. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um. But uh, yeah, like boys, sub over that where it's just like broken up words. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> just clip it from other podcasts. Um, but anyways, uh, before we before we move on to our last point, boys, just another quick word from our sponsors over at the Hockey Podcast Network, Raycon headphones. And as you guys know, we're getting into the heart of November. The holiday season is upon us, and it's getting crazy, especially with two young ones. You guys have seen my little guy poke his head in here a few times now. But it may be too early to start decorating for the holidays, but it's never too early to start your holiday shopping. Why not take care of it now before the crowds and packed calendars make shopping a total nightmare, especially when you can get some of the best deals of the season well before Black Friday 
You can shop Raycon products right now and save up to 50% off because their early Black Friday sale is going on right now. You've heard me talk about Raycon products before, the everyday headphones, the um, the Fit headphones. Um, Raycon first made a name for themselves in the audio space with products like their everyday earbuds, as I mentioned, known for delivering high quality and thoughtful features like a 32-hour battery life and a perfect in-ear fit for all-day wear and lasting comfort. And this past year, they expanded their entire business with the introduction of Raycon Home and Raycon PowerTech. Um, <laughs> their five-star reviewed Magic 180 cable allows you to charge iOS, micro USB, and Type-C devices eight times faster with 100-watt power delivery. Their faucet filter ultra filters the water in your tap against chlorine and heavy metals. It's a must-have for ensuring the water you use to wash your face and brush your teeth is, you know, actually clean. Raycon is known for delivering high quality and thoughtful features at half the price of other premium tech brands. It's no wonder their products have racked up tens of thousands of five-star reviews. To get everyone in on in the holiday shopping spirit a bit early, Raycon is currently offering 20% off everything on their site with select products up to 50% off. So beat the crowds and save now. Trust me, you do not want to miss out on Raycon's early Black Friday sale. Hurry up to Raycon, buyraycon.com slash THPN to get 20% to 50% off site-wide. That's buyraycon.com slash THPN to score up to 50% off Raycon products, buyraycon.com slash THPN. Well, boys, um... Raycon really hitting it with those, uh, those water filters. Uh, I, you know, I think I get it my hands on some of those, but um, <laughs> as we get into the holiday season, there's nothing better than the rumor season as well. Elliot Friedman bringing up Nikita Zadorov, bringing up Chris Tanev. And I'm just reading that uh, there is some talk about the potential of the Leafs maybe going out and looking at Patrick Kane, if they can find the money within the system. Peter, I'm going to throw it to you first, buddy. What are your thoughts on these three players? The Leafs need both those guys out of Calgary. They need one of them. And could Patrick Kane end up in blue and white? Ah, uh, I see. I wrote about Kane. I still think maybe you take a cautious approach with that because, yeah, no risk if it's going to be like a low, like below five or below three million dollars. If he's trying to bet on himself, fine, but. I don't know. It, it, Maple Leafs scoring depth. I've talked about scoring depth, but you need more in the latter portion of the lineup than higher up. But we'll see what happens. Um, in terms, uh, I was about to. I, I just lost my train of thought right now. Um, okay, I talked about Kane. Now Zadorov and Tanda. There we go. Um, yeah. Well, also, if you're trying to get either or one of those players, it's a good time to probably trade John Klingberg and get rid of his four million dollar contract because. That, that frees up money for Patrick Kane, definitely. But it could also free up, you know, the salary of both Tanev and, you know, Zadorov if, you know, get if you get a team to possibly uh, retain some salary on their contract, which could work out to what Klingberg is making. Um, you know, the numbers are there. Zadorov has paired very well, despite the Calgary Flames not getting offensive results. Every time he's on the ice, they have a positive impact, um, you know, you know, shot attempts for above 50% every single time he's on the ice. Expected goals for are, high, are pretty high. And even when he's playing with Mackenzie Weger, their numbers are very consistent. And they're doing, in, like, obviously the goals against is 
pretty low, two, four, seven against. But they're having that impact offensively with shot generation and everything like that. So, yeah, definitely. I see, I think one or even possibly both of Zadorov Tanev might be more of a possibility than Kane at this point. But who knows at this point? It, it's still way too early to tell. Alex, I always love talking rumors. Your thoughts on the Leafs potentially getting a guy like uh, Tanev or, or Zadorov on the blue line and mixing in maybe a little Patty Kane. Yeah, I mean, Kane would be something. Um, I keep forgetting that he's not playing right now. That's kind of crazy. Um, I don't know. Phil like, Kessel. Nor is Phil Kessel. Nor is Phil Kessel. Yeah. There you go. Honestly, like, I don't know. I don't know how True Living would pull it off. Obviously, that's what he's got Brandon Pridham for. But um, it would obviously be a massive offensive boost if he comes for a cheap deal. And, I and you know, like you said, Peter would probably have to take shipping out someone like Klingberg in order to afford him. But um I do think that their priority should rise or should lie in the uh, in the in the Calgary Flames and uh, Zadorov and Chris Tanev. Um, Drew Living obviously knows him well, and uh, I think that you know Zadorov crazy stat that I had no idea existed. He scored 14 goals last year, which kind of shocked me. That's that's quite a bit for a guy like him. And uh, the Maple Leafs defense have struggled uh, to score goals. Yep. He uh, he kills penalties, and he's also – he hits like a truck, and he's a guy that can clear out the front of the net. So um, I would be interested in Zadorov for sure. Uh, Tanev, I think, is a guy that he's about as reliable as it gets. And I think if you acquire a guy like Tanev if – if there's a world where the Leafs can acquire both of these guys, I think that instantly all their defensive problems are solved. But I don't yeah. – uh, I, I don't see it being that simple. That said, Chris Tanev is a guy, if you acquire him, I think you can put him alongside a Morgan Riley, and this, he, he could kind of act as the Shen of this year, and then you can move TJ Brody down on the lineup, and you can have him uh, you know, take on less minutes and not have to be the guy uh, like like last year he was when he was uh, paired with Jake McCabe. So uh, overall, I, I mean, Calgary guys, I'm definitely more interested than Kane, but uh, all three of them are intriguing for sure. Yeah, I would agree. All three are intriguing. I mean, right now Calgary has to be thinking sell, sell, sell. I don't, I don't know. They just have not looked good at all um, this this season. So they could be in a potential sell sell uh, position as we head into December, um, and and that would definitely make it a little bit of a cheaper option if if that's the way he he chooses to go. On top of that, like I like you guys were saying, um, you know, Patty Kane would be a nice addition. I again, I don't know how they would work it out. I don't know if they really need another score of his size i mean aside from offense he doesn't offer much to the lineup um but again you know anytime you get a hall of famer in the lineup i think you, you gotta you gotta consider it and even one more point too like we talk about matthew nyes earning that top line spot like if you brought in patrick kane there goes matthew nyes off the top line right there because they want to put him with marner and matthews yeah, yeah, no, hundred percent. And and one other guy I want to mention before we we close it out here, guys, is it, I know we kind of pulled this talking point, but William uh, Legison, um, he's come in, he's done the job that he's been asked to do. He's done it quietly. Uh, I believe he has twelve hits through his five games or 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 four games or whatever he's played. Um, the the fact that he's come in and he's been kind of a, a solid uh, solid defenseman, uh, I think that's helped the team kind of stabilize what could be a complete massacre on the back end right now. Yeah. And there is word Connor Timmons will be going to Sweden with the team. He's going to be skating there. He's going to start practicing. He likely won't play. Uh, Jake McCabe could be back soon. So the blue line 
should get back to a little bit of normalcy in the next little bit, but you're still talking about months when you're talking uh, Timothy Lilligren. So it'll be interesting to see where they go from there. I think that uh, Simone Benoit deserves a shout out as well because he stepped into that bottom pairing role. And I mean, to play 15 minutes with a guy that you've probably, you've never really played with before against the Tampa Bay lightning and to stand there and, and, and be noted, be not noticeable in a good way and just sort of shut, shut it down whenever you're in the zone and just kind of keep things calm. Pretty, pretty crazy feat. And uh, definitely good on them for, for pulling that out. So, yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Well, gentlemen, I just want to add one more thing, Alex, uh, both of us had the same comment in regards to Lagason against the lightning too, where, Mm -hmm. I made yeah. a comment and you're like, oh, hi. And mm-hmm. I was just close to putting the the stepbrothers gif up. Did we just become best friends? <laughs> yeah. Because we were talking about Lagason mm-hmm. at the same time. And yeah, kind of like what you echo or to echo what you said too, like getting those minutes and that opportunity against a tough team and still, you know, providing a strong defensive presence, more physicality on the back end knowing his spots of when to jump up. He just seemed, he just seemed to impress me every single time or like with every opportunity that he got, cause he's played in a few games already with, um, you know, the preseason, I thought he looked okay, but I kind of figured he was going down, uh, to the AHL. But right now I, I've been, in, I've been impressed with this game and this is a guy that you want to have that kind of like two way game, but a defensive mindset. Well, a couple quick notes before we close it out here. Uh, looks like William Nylander took the subway into the game tonight. So I saw that a man yeah. of the people, a man of the people, also, Sportico released the value, uh, the valuation of teams uh, in the NHL. Our Maple Leafs are number one, uh, well over $2 billion. Um, So, Leafs number one, Sticks in the Six, your number one podcast for Leafs news. So, make sure you tune in weekly with us. Um, we're heading into puck drop here, boys, so we'll close it out. But as always, you can follow myself at Andrew G. Forbes. You can follow Alex at A. Hobson Media or Peter at P. Barrichini on Twitter. Follow uh, our show on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram, TikTok, wherever you might find us. Make sure you take the two minutes out of your day to subscribe to us on YouTube. Uh, let's get to that century mark. And if you're looking for tickets to concerts, tickets to games, make sure you hit up SeatGeek. Use code Sticks in the six. That's S T I C K S I N T H E six I X for twenty dollars off. Sorry, your first purchase um, at SeatGeek. Until next time, boys. Let's go, Leafs. We'll throw it over to the game in the next half hour. See you guys next week. Cheers. Cheers.